Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Lori, and I am absolutely excited to be with you guys this morning, uh, jumping in and going through Judges chapter nine and ten. Uh, so let's open in prayer, and then we can and we can dive in. Well, Father God, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you that you are a great and compassionate and patient, kind and loving God. And this morning, as we dive into these chapters, I pray that we will see that that uh, through the the time that we spend, that we'll see your patience, your compassion, your understanding, your care. And Father, we, we bring ourselves before you and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in our hearts and in our minds, that you would align us with you and that you would put your finger on any areas that don't align and that uh, we would we would pause and listen to your voice this morning. We love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to dive into Judges chapter 9 and 10. Uh, but first, I'm just going to go over, um, you know, the the part that's in our, in our plan that says together let's and then our memory verse. Um, and I, the reason I'm going back to the together let's when you go into your September plan is because I, I really feel like today uh, really leans into this area on so many levels. And so uh, when you look at your September plan, it says this, it says together, let's abide. And it says, I am dependent on God. And then it says, follow humble servanthood, and then practice embracing intimacy, transformation, and emotional health. And our memory verse today, let's say this together, John 8, 28 to 32. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, these things that we just touched on, I want you to keep in mind as we go through Judges chapter nine, because absolutely we will see um, sort of this beginning pattern of, you know, just constantly following leaders that are not good, judges that are not good, um, Israel falling into uh, worshiping other things and things like that, and um, not depending on God the way that they should, not following humble servanthood, uh, not embracing the intimacy and transformation of the God that they have seen rescue them and save them. And so um, I just want you to keep these things in mind as we lean into these two chapters. 
And um, the verse that really comes to mind again, much like the last little bit of, of abiding in God's word and knowing the truth and the truth will set you free. The verse that comes to mind for me as I was reading through this is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And it is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So with that, let's lean into Judges 9. And I'm not going to read um, this verse by verse. Uh, we're just going to kind of go through the overarching story of Judges 9. And this uh, happens right after uh, Gideon. You know, he has passed away now at the end of Judges 8. And he went through his life yesterday. Um, and we saw his fear, his victories, and then his less than stellar ending to his life. Um, and here we're starting uh, when his son is now rising into power with his son's violent rise into power and then eventual violent end to his life. Um, and through this chapter, you'll see the name Jerubbaal, and this is just another name for Gideon. So just when you read that, know that that is referring to Gideon. Um, and you can see that uh, in Judges 8.35, but so as you read through this chapter, just know that that's who they're referring to when they say Jerubbaal, uh, that is Gideon. So as you go through this story, it tells the story of Abimelech, and he is one of Gideon's sons. Gideon had 70 sons, so that's a lot of children to look after, I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> with just six, I'm clearly well supplied in children. So Gideon was well, 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 well supplied in children. Um, it wasn't that he was the clear successor uh, of Gideon to whatever, have all the authority that Gideon had because Gideon was a judge. Um, and as you guys went through last, last the kind of how he navigated that, you went through that yesterday, uh, he wasn't sort of the clear successor. So he just decided to take this authority by force. Um, he convinced, uh, he convinced the family on his mother's side in Shechem that they should choose him to be their leader over all his brothers. Um, and so Gideon had many wives. So the people in Shechem were his mother's relatives. Um, uh, the, his mom was, um, a servant he was like a con, she was a concubine of Gideon. And so that's where Abimelech comes from. So he convinced them that, listen, he said, you know, um, do you want 70 of us ruling over do you, or just do you want one, you know, and I can be that one. I'll gladly take that place. I'll take this on. And so they were like, yes, only one sounds good. And so he's like, great. They gave him some money. He, he hires a bunch of men and then he goes and murders all 69 of his brothers. Um, and then he was the only one left. There was one though that escaped and his name was Jotham. Jotham escaped this murderous scene. And so in verse six, you can see um, that Jotham then goes, uh, he hides away and then speaks out this parable um, to talk about Abimelech, basically his relationship with Shechem and talk about what's going on. And it's a parable of 
different kinds of trees and bushes, you know, uh, and you can read that through. And really what he's saying in this parable, he's um, sharing an analogy, uh, speaking out against how his brother is taking this leadership and saying, listen, this, this is not going to come to a good end. And the way that both of you have formed this relationship is not good and is going to end in something terrible. Um, and at which point we get to verses 22 to 57, Abimelech rules for three years and really this prophetic parable, and you can read it through this prophetic parable that Jotham um, shares with them earlier, basically comes to pass. You can see that they end up turning on each other, Shechem and, um, and uh, Abimelech turn on each other. The people that are supposed to be following uh, Abimelech end up turning on him. Abimelech ends up turning on them. Um, he They start to try and get rid of him as a leader and take him down. He ends up killing them. Um, all these people in, in um, Shechem and then in the end, you know, he's standing on a tower, a woman uh, dumps a, a millstone down on his head as he is preparing to also murder all of them. So it is a horrible, bloody story of terrible leadership and um, really people trying to grab somebody trying to grab authority where it was not um, not meant for them and no, no looking to God, no asking God no, nothing. It's just people just trying to have what they want their way. And so as I'm reading through this story, the question that comes to mind for me that I feel really applies to us today is what voice are you listening to? You know, Abimelech came to these people um, and the reason I chose the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If you look at this story, this is the very antithesis of that verse. This is, this is the complete opposite of that verse. You know, Abimelech goes, he just does what he wants. He grabs for power. However he wants, he puts people aside and does not care for them. The people of Shechem, though, they just listen to his voice. They just say, yeah, you're right. They trust in their own understanding. They're like, you're our brother. You're related to us. You must be a good choice. You're right. We don't want 70 people ruling over us. We'll take just one who is our brother. They didn't consult God at all. And their paths were not straight. Their paths led to demise. It led to sin and hatred and all sorts of horrible things because they chose to just listen to what made sense in their brain. And they chose to just listen to flesh. And so for us, I believe there is a, a strong warning that we can take from this story of Abimelech and the people of Shechem is that don't just go with whatever feels good, whatever looks good, but rather go to God and ask him, what do I do in this situation? There are a lot of convincing voices out there. There are a lot of people who will try to manipulate us, who, and even for ourselves, our own voice, you know, that will try to get us to go on a path that seems well and good but we must go to God and we must go to God's word and ask him and say, is this the right path? Does this align with how you would do things? 
and pause before we just make decisions, before we just jump into things, before we just follow someone. And so, you know, there's a lot of voices out there and uh, there are a lot of voices asking us to follow them. And so as you look around, as you listen to different, even within the church, different people who say, listen, I'm your brother, you know, I'm here, you listen to me, pause and listen to the message they are actually declaring to you and, and look, does this align with who God is? Does this align with the gospel? Does this align with how God would function? Does this align with the character of God? And, and ask the Lord, do I follow this voice? And so, you know, each time you approach a situation or a scenario, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on, on, on your own understanding in all your ways, every single way, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So as we go from this story um, of Abimelech, uh, and now we're at his death and we're going to go into basically where uh, the judges start to, we just start to see the judges one by one uh, continue to come, come um, out and sort of how long they've ruled. Uh, in Judges 10, in verses 1 and 2, it says this. It's a, it talks about Tola, who judged for 23 years. And then in verses 3 to 5, it talks about Jer, who uh, judged for 22 years. And he was also wealthy and kind of lived like a king and had many children. So it doesn't say a lot about these judges. It just kind of mentions them. Um, and so we're, we're then led into the story uh, going into the rest of Judges 10 about Israel again. And so we're going to kind of sit in these verses a little bit because I really feel like there's a lot of uh, good things that we can take away from this part of Judges. And so we're going to kind of go through this verse by verse. So uh, I'll read verse six here. And it says this, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So let's pause there and just look at this. So I know from all the reading that you've done, you've heard this phrase probably multiple times, and you are going to hear it again and again, that the children of the Lord did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And this phrase will be repeated seven times in the book of Judges. And I think this for me, each time I look at the children of Israel, I try to look at my own life because I'm human just like them. And so my inclinations will be most likely a lot like them. And that's to follow my own heart, my own way, and the things that look shiny in this world and that appeal to my flesh. And so just when I read that, I feel like there's almost always something for me to take away when it says, and the Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord. There's something in there that I could take away that I can, that I can reflect on not in like a heaviness, but in a moment of like, I'm human and fleshly, where do I need to be warned or be paying attention or be making sure I'm not just following fleshy ways, you know, or where can I take a lesson on humanity here? Because just like uh, there's people that we get to look at that are uh, a way that we get to see, um, 
Jesus or character of God. Often when we look at the people of Israel and how they went away from God, it's an opportunity to look at fleshly humanity and how we're inclined in that manner. And so these times when it says this, I like to pause and go, okay, I'm fleshy. Where do I need to watch for my fleshy ways? And so um, in this, they followed all these gods. It doesn't just say one or two. It actually says a whole bunch of them from the areas around them. And so um, basically, in essence, once again, the sin of Israel here was idolatry. And so again, for myself, this is a moment. And I think for each one of us, this is a moment to go and be reminded that we always our flesh is pulled towards something else. It will want to worship what is easy or what, what makes sense or what pulls at us or what feels good. And that we have to be careful because it's an easy and wide road to go down there. And so just in these moments, it's an opportunity for just to pause and go, okay, like, you know, God search me, you know, and allow not again, not in like this burdensome, you know, I'm, you know, hard on myself way in a, in a, in a self um, reflecting and an understanding my humanness way. Just the reality is I'm human. So God search me, you know, and make sure that I am not veering off track. And Israel was not attracted to these gods because of their beauty of the idol or whatever it is. They looked really nice. You know, it's really associated with what these idols could give them. And isn't that true for ourselves too? You know, money or or um, pleasure, you know, uh, Baal was the weather god. So it was associated with like financial success, prosperity, you know, things that, that, you know, for us are always a pull. These things pull at us, you know, the goddess of fertility was like love and romance and sex and, and the things, um, again, like a large family. So this would also, uh, fertility meant that they, again, how many times does it say, you know, they had, you know, 30 sons, 70 sons. This, this also led to prosperity. It was, it was people to build, build their family, build their own, their own kingdom, you know? So the things that they were drawn towards, you know, were popular in the culture. So we need to be aware that we're, that we're keeping things in their proper place and submitted to God. Having wealth isn't wrong, but is it submitted to God? You know, having the things we need isn't wrong, but is it submitted to God? You know, being connected to the things that are out there and understanding them isn't necessarily wrong, but are we being pulled away from God by things of this culture? You know, are we getting distracted by the things of this culture or are they properly placed underneath the authority of God in submission to God? And so uh, Israel was worshiping these neighboring gods. And we just have to be careful that we're not getting pulled into this. I think I'm always, I'm always amazed at how quickly Israel ended up falling back into this. And it, it always reminds me to be vigilant to guard my mind and my heart uh, and where I'm placing my trust. You know, where am I placing my trust? Because that's really what they did. They placed their trust in something other than God. As we go into verse seven to nine, let's read that together. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year, they, har they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. 
all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that the Israel so that Israel was severely distressed. Now here it says that the Lord, the Lord's anger was hot against them. And then basically saying like he gave them over to the very thing that they had given themselves to. They didn't want to submit to God. They wanted to submit to these things. And so he was like, okay, fine. That's who you want in your life. That's where you want to be. So be it. You can have that. And, you know, we can see this in our own lives sometimes too, where something that the Holy Spirit's like, hello, you know, how many times I've seen it in my life where, where Holy Spirit's like, Ingrid, you know, you don't want this. You don't want this. You don't want this. And I just keep kind of veering in that direction. And eventually I get the opportunity to see how destructive it is because I've allowed it so much hold in my life that then I'm no longer using it. It's I'm submitted to it and it has authority over me and brings oppression and hardship into my life. And so, um, you know, in his love, God sometimes uh, allows us to be, to experience what's really the underbelly of something that we see as really nice and shiny and appealing at the beginning. And it's, it's, it's always bondage and it's always oppression And it's always something awful when it's not something that God has for us. You know, it brings us into bondage and we can see this in the lives around us. Can't we, you know, when, when people have given themselves over to something that is not God, it brings bondage. It brings hardship and oppression. And it's no longer that they're using this thing for their own good. They end up being used, you know, and in bondage to this thing. And so this whole story is really, if we can apply it to our own lives, like stay vigilant, trust in the Lord, because he brings us to good things. He brings us on that path that is straight. But anytime we allow something else to have lordship in our life, it will not do that. It will bring us on a path that brings us into bondage and destruction, you know, and God's not going to force us to stay on the path that he has for us. He will tap us. He will convict us, but we have the choice to listen to that or not. And so, um, God gave them what they wanted, but, uh, it's out of his love and grace really, because then you get to, they get to actually see that this isn't actually what they want and turn back to him. So, and we'll see that in verse 10 to 14 here, it says, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, we have sinned against you because we are both forsaken. We have both forsaken God and served Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and the Philistines? Also the city, uh, the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Moanites oppress you. And you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods, which you chose and let them deliver you in your time of stress. So again, he doesn't just like quickly rescue them. He's like, we have been here before. How many times have I rescued you? So how about you go to these gods and see if they're going to rescue you since you keep going back to this same sin. And he leaves them there a little longer to really, truly see, you know, and experience that they do not want this. 
They do not want to live in this oppression. They do not want what these things actually have to offer that will only bring them more bondage. And this is actually the first time that he has refused to save them, reminding them that he has repeatedly done this. You know, it's kind of like parenthood. And sometimes we're like, listen, I told you and I told you and I told you again not to do this. And you have chosen this as though like, you know, I'm not going to just quickly swoop down and, and rescue you from the consequences of the actions that you've put in place. Okay. So then we go into 15 and we can look at this and be like, oh my goodness, but really the purpose, you can see the purpose here, him saying, listen, you, you can't keep doing this. You are going to have to start making choices that are better. And it's a loving sort of reprimand in this moment. So as we go into 15 and 16, um, we will see their true repentance, you know, and in one commentary, it was saying about these verses that like, you know, um, they, they were saying like, God clearly saw that their heart wasn't quite there yet that they were crying out, but, you know, there was, there was probably more that he was seeing that they couldn't just cry out with their mouth saying like, God, we're so sorry, rescue us. He needed it to be a genuine repentance, not just like, sorry, God, you know, like, can you save me here? Um, and so in 15 and 16, and the, it says this, and the children of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned Do to us, whatever seems best for you only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord and his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. And so there you see the compassion of the Lord turning, but you also see that first repentance once was required. They couldn't just say, Lord, Lord, rescue us and continue holding on to these gods, right? It didn't say in the verses earlier, it didn't say 10 to 14, they put away the gods, you know, got rid of them and then went to the Lord and said, God, please rescue us. They just cried out in those first verses. They only said with their mouth, Lord, rescue us. And he was like, listen, go to the gods you've got sitting right there. They clearly you're trusting in them. In verses 15 and 16, it says, and the children of the Lord said, we have sinned do to us, whatever seems best to you. In other words, we trust you. Do what you feel is right, God. And then they got rid of all the idols and they no longer served them. And then God said, okay, I, you know, I'm not, I can't watch this anymore and rescued them out of it. And then the last two verses are Israel all gathers and, but they don't have a leader yet. And so this is where we're ending. And I absolutely actually love this story because I feel like there's so much we can apply here about how to navigate our own sinful hearts. So I've already gone through much of it where I talked about how we need to be aware, just be aware that we're pulled towards those cultural things, those easy things, those wide roads, you know, and then when we recognize it in our lives, or even as we're walking with people who have bondage in their lives, realizing that it can't just be lip service we're, we're going to God with. We can't just be like, you know, I need freedom. I need prayer. Action is required. We need, and it's not that this is what saves us, but it's, it's that this is what shows that we're prepared to lay aside those things that we're trusting in that are not God. And we're prepared to say, okay, God, fully submitting to you. So I have a couple questions for you here. 
just before that, I just wanted to mention though, you know, here we start to see that downward spiral of poor judges sin leading to increased oppression and hardship happening in Israel. So you're going to see this as you go into the rest of judges, this is going to continue this cycle. And anybody who's read through the old Testament, you see it. It's like in the, there's this good judge, you know, this terrible judge an awful judge and Israel back again, sinning back in oppression. Um, and you know, it's a good reminder for us that all our human ways will never save us, will never rescue us, that we need Jesus and we need his kingdom and his perfection and his perfect sacrifice to rescue us. No matter how hard we try as humans, we are always drawn in that direction of sin. Our sin nature is always drawn in that way. And that is why Jesus we absolutely need him. We absolutely need him to come and uh, take that sin and take all those things, you know, and to be our leader and to lean into his kingdom and his ways. Um, so here are your, the questions that I have for you. Um, and you can apply it to your own lives, or it can be, uh, you know, with somebody that you're walking with, but what are you looking to, to save you or bring you freedom or prosperity into your own lives? Are you allowing the comforts and the things of this world, uh, to do this, you know, or the, or the easier things, uh, because of what they're associated with or what they bring you. So finances, freedom, comfort, love, identity, you know, are you allowing those things to come from God and to be under the authority of God? Or is there something else out there like, like the Israelites that's getting that authority? And then my second question to you from this is, are you crying out, but still unwilling to fully let go? If there is an area that you're recognizing sin or a need for God to come into proper authority in your life, you know, are you fully letting go or are you kind of giving lip service going like, oh yes, God, <laughs> I am recognizing bondage here. And I'm seeing that, you know, something is now oppressing me. Uh, please rescue me from this, set me free. I need freedom in this area, but not willing to let go of that thing. And I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times in my own life and in other people's lives, where we come to a fork in the road and God is so faithful. He will lead us to a fork in the road over and over again. And we will have to choose and we'll know it. We can choose one way that is usually easier and more comfortable and speaks to our flesh and leaves us in a place where we can hold on to those. It says you can hold on to that you know, and ask God to rescue at the same time, or we can go the path of Christ. The path of the Holy spirit is leading us on the path where conviction is leading us, which requires us to give up that thing. It requires us to give something up and fully submit. And our flesh will be drawn to the fork that is easier and wider. There will be something in us that will not want to go that path that the Holy Spirit is calling on, and we will have to choose it. We will have to choose what is uncomfortable and hard. Like the Israelites were like, okay, okay, we're putting aside all these comfortable things, these things that we wanted, and we will do whatever, whatever you ask God, I will do it. And so let me close in prayer uh, on that note, um, you know, but uh, just, we'll just kind of continue on the discussion there. 
uh, once we come back to it, but I know some of you need to go. So we'll just pray here in this moment and then we'll continue on. Father, I thank you that you faithfully, faithfully, just like you did in the story, you waited, you waited for the Israelites to turn their hearts back to you, to be willing to let go of all things that bring oppression, all things that are not from you. God, you ask us to trust you, not because you're some overlord. You ask us to trust you because you are where life and wholeness and goodness and and the true things that last are found. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would remind us of this as we go through our days, that life is found in you, that even as we come to these forks in the road, where the Holy Spirit says, choose life, choose me, but it looks so hard that we can trust you, God. We can trust the path that you're calling us down, even though it is seemingly less comfortable and requires us to give up things that sometimes we love or we rely on. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for your beautiful conviction. And I thank you God, that you made a way through your son, that we can choose that path, that we are not stuck on the road of destruction, that we are not doomed on the road of destruction, but we have the opportunity to choose life every day. What a beautiful gift. And I thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Have you become an official member of our HeartStrong community? Visit heartstrong.life and click membership to sign up. Once you've registered, you will receive an email with links and tips for how to engage everything that HeartStrong has to offer. As a member, you will have access to so much incredible discipleship content found on the members page, such as all of our weekly Bible study events, a monthly training plan with disciplines and practices and discipleship questions to help guide you on your discipleship journey. We also have our most recent Bible study video, all of our teacher Bible study notes, and an on-demand video archive of all of our Bible studies that we have ever done. And lastly, every month we create and curate content to encourage you on your discipleship journey. So what are you waiting for? Visit heartstrong.life and join today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.